Right. Good morning again, everybody. Um, thank you uh, so much to Dan and to Tim and Suzanne uh, for taking part this morning and helping us in our worship. Um, I want to share again this morning some more thoughts uh, around the resurrection and around the message of Easter. Um, and maybe to help you a little bit with where we're going this morning, I guess maybe the first two thirds of what I want to share this morning are maybe um, addressed to those who are a bit skeptical about the message of the resurrection or maybe to those parts of us that are skeptical because all of us have doubts that are mixed in with our faith. Um, and then maybe the final third of what I want to share um, is really speaking to the parts of us that do believe in the resurrection, but really asking, how do we then live in light of this? Uh, so that's just to let you know uh, kind of where we're going. Um, I don't know what kind of movie endings you prefer uh, when, you, when you watch a film. Uh, some people, I know a lot of people, like a really simple happy ending with everything kind of tied up neatly. Um, I've always preferred things left a little bit more open, a little bit more ambiguous. Uh, so you're kind of left to wonder and imagine a little bit what might have happened next. Um, and maybe that's why I've always loved the end of Mark's gospel. Because the other three gospels, Matthew and Luke and John, give us a more classic happy ending uh, where Jesus appears to his disciples and their fear and their doubt are turned to joy. Um, and it's kind of all neatly tied up. And I, I love those endings as well. Um, but I want to read to you how Mark's gospel ends. Um, so we're going to read uh, from Mark chapter 16. Uh, uh, it's a short chapter. Uh, this is the end of the gospel of Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's how Mark ends his gospel. What a, what a strange way to end. I always feel like it should kind of end dot, 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 and kind of letting us fill in the gap. For ourselves. We're left wondering what happened next. Did, did the women take the message to the disciples? Did the disciples go to Galilee? Did Jesus meet them there? And we're left intrigued. Um, it's such a strange ending that someone later added a more conventional ending. And you, in your Bible, you may have that other ending uh, in there. But it's, this seems to be where Mark ended his account. Trembling and bewildered and afraid. That's where he ends. Um, and actually, I love this ending. Um, I think this ending of Mark, it, 
it draws us in, it makes us wonder, it makes us think. Um, and as I've been thinking about it, I think it helps in considering two common attitudes to the resurrection, which you may hear expressed today, which are pretty current and common uh, today. And I, I want to think about those with you uh, a little bit. Uh, the first attitude to the resurrection is this. People will say, um, there's, there's a picture of the women trembling and bewildered and afraid. Um, people will say uh, about these early disciples, they were simple people in a simple time. Or people might say they were primitive people. They were ancient people. Uh, they lived in an age of superstition and folklore and all kinds of mad beliefs. And so, of course, they might believe in something like a resurrection. But you and I, on the other hand, are more enlightened and sophisticated. And we live in an age of reason and science. And we know that it's simply impossible for a dead man to rise again. And so people might even say, I don't blame them. They didn't know any better back then. But no thinking person today could believe such a story. I don't know what you think about that that view, which you may hear often expressed. Um, I have to confess, uh, rather bluntly maybe, that I find it really arrogant and condescending. Um, it didn't take the rise of modern science to show that dead men don't rise. We didn't need Isaac Newton or Albert Einstein or Stephen Hawking to discover this. You just need to have eyes in your head. People are born and they live and they die and they don't come back. And so it has been for years and generations and centuries and even simple unsophisticated peasants in first century Galilee knew that. And that's why they were scared. They, they didn't initially greet the news with delight and happiness because this was so far outside their expectation of what was possible that they actually trembled with fear. I don't know if you've ever noticed uh, in the other gospels when Jesus does appear to the disciples, um, what kind of context they tend to be in when Jesus appears. You, you don't find them waiting for a miracle or hoping for a miracle or praying for a miracle. Where, where does the risen Jesus meet them? They, they've gone back to their jobs and their life. They've gone fishing or they're huddled together in fear or they're walking along glumly and dejectedly talking about all the things that have happened. They're not expecting a miracle. This wasn't vaguely on the radar of what they considered possible. It was so deeply shocking and strange that it actually shook them to the core. Uh, maybe you can uh, get a little bit of a sense of what this might be like if you imagine for a second uh, that you're looking at an apple tree and you see an apple break off the tree um, and fall to the ground as you have many, many times before. You've seen objects fall like that many times before. But now I want you to imagine that you're sitting watching an apple tree and you see an apple break off the tree and fly vertically upward into the air. And I want to suggest your first reaction wouldn't actually be delight necessarily. You would jump to your feet and you, your heart might be beating a little bit and you'd be wondering what just happened? How did that happen? What's going on? Something weird is happening here because that's not the way apples normally behave. When the disciples told the world Jesus was alive, they shared it as something so strange and out of the ordinary 
that it could only be terrifying before it could be joyful. They knew it was the weirdest thing that had ever happened to them and maybe the weirdest thing that had ever happened to anybody anywhere. So that's the first kind of reflection on um, the way people sometimes talk about the resurrection and how Mark maybe helps us with that. Um, The second one is this. People might say the resurrection is a metaphor for their feelings. Um, This this idea might be popular with people who kind of like the story of Jesus, but are a bit embarrassed by the idea of a bodily resurrection. Um, I want to read you, uh, I found these in a book I was reading this week, uh, some real quotations from some modern Easter sermons. So these are real sermons that have been preached in the the modern world. Uh, I want you to listen to, uh, to what's going on here. First one, in their table fellowship after the crucifixion, the heartbroken disciples came to sense that Jesus was still with them. Right, there's one. Second one, the early Christians came to believe that love is stronger than death. Or what about this one? The disciples came to believe that Jesus lives forever in the faith of those who trust his message. Wonder do you get the idea what's going on there? Um, Jesus died, the disciples were heartbroken and discouraged, but over time, as they were together and talking about Jesus, they had this kind of feeling like he was still with them. They felt a kind of rising up of hope and optimism and love. And they came to believe in something called the resurrection, uh, where the story of the risen Jesus was a kind of metaphor for their own feeling of hope or love or whatever it was. I want to suggest I've, I've two main difficulties with that way of thinking about the resurrection. Um, the first one is that it so completely ignores what the Gospels actually say. Um, I find myself thinking if they wanted to tell us they had a rising feeling of hope and love, this is a very strange way to tell it because they don't describe a nice feeling rising gradually from within them. They describe something frightening happening suddenly from outside themselves that they then had to get their head around. Uh, Something that actually shook the earth and then shook them uh, in all kinds of ways. But here's the other difficulty I have with this view. Um, It's simply this, that it doesn't begin to help us understand how this group of scared, discouraged, confused disciples went from trembling and bewildered and afraid to shouting from the rooftops that Jesus is alive. That, that transformation needs to be accounted for. I want to encourage you to consider just for a moment how demoralized the disciples would have been after the crucifixion. They had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah. They'd hoped that he was going to bring in a glorious new age. All those hopes in the Old Testament prophets of the coming of the kingdom of God that God would come and dwell with his people again and he would bring justice and righteousness and peace to the land. Do you remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus saying we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel? That was their hope. And now, not only is this Jesus dead, but the kind of death that he died crushed their hopes to dust. Because crucifixion 
was designed by the Romans to be the most humiliating death imaginable, putting the person on public display, pinning them up like an insect, announcing to the world, this person does not deserve to live. They are the scum of the earth. They are thrown on the rubbish heap outside the city. There's no coming back from death. And for, for a revolutionary movement of hope, there's definitely no coming back from that kind of death. And so we can understand the disciples out fishing. We can understand them dejected walking along the road. We can understand them huddled in a locked room in fear. But how do we understand how a few weeks later they're standing in the city proclaiming that Jesus is alive? And then as opposition increases from Jewish leaders on the Romans and Christians start to be rounded up and imprisoned and beaten and tortured and killed, how they keep on insisting that Jesus is alive and go traveling through the entire known world announcing that message in Ephesus and Corinth and Athens and Rome and establishing communities committed to worshiping the risen Jesus. How do we account for that? Um, I want to say this very directly. I don't think a vague feeling of rising hope can account for that transformation. You, you don't risk imprisonment and torture and death for a vague belief that love is stronger than death. One of my favorite um, kind of writers and thinkers around today uh, is this guy, a guy called Tom Holland, not the one who plays uh, Spider-Man, but another one. Um, Tom Holland is a, a world-renowned historian and he describes himself in his own words as a, a typical secular liberal agnostic. So that's his, that's his description of himself. Um, I really admire his intellectual honesty. And Tom Holland says that he believes that any honest historian must acknowledge this fact, that the early Christians really believed the tomb was empty and Jesus was alive. And Tom Holland's really honest about, he doesn't go the whole way to believing in the resurrection, but he says something happened to make them believe that. That's, that's where he gets to. Something happened, something strange happened that caused these people to believe that this had really happened. So they went and risked their lives for that belief. And maybe I want to encourage you this morning. I wonder if you ever honestly thought about this. Uh, maybe you could take the time while you're on lockdown and things are a bit weird and out of sync to consider this with an open mind and an open heart. And maybe read the end of Mark and then go and read the end of Matthew and the end of Luke and the end of John and consider the impact these disciples had on the world and their courage in the face of danger and death. Um, and maybe think with Tom Holland and think with, with me, what was it that happened that made them so afraid and then made them so fearless and so joyful? And just puzzle over that and wonder over that and be intrigued by that. I wonder where that might lead you. I want to encourage you to think about that uh, maybe this week, maybe today. That's my two-thirds for the skeptics uh, finished. Uh, but I want to finish with a challenge for the part of us that does believe. Maybe, maybe you don't need that challenge today. Uh, maybe you believe that this weird, wildly improbable, impossible thing happened, that Jesus reversed the curse of death. Um, 
And I want to I think about this question for the rest of our time. If that is true, if this wildly improbable thing happened, how should we then live? Um, and I know that's kind of a big question, and we're not going to deal with it completely today. Uh, but I want to think about just one aspect of it this morning. Maybe springing from what we've been reflecting on about how the disciples went from being scared to being fearless. Uh, I want to think about one aspect of that this morning. Um, kind of eavesdropping on the way people are talking at the minute. Uh, people have been talking about how these days of lockdown, uh, although they're difficult and uncomfortable in lots of ways, um, could also be days when new ideas are born and when people dream new dreams uh, because we're out of our normal routine and we're uncomfortable and we have a bit of time. Um, and I really hope that's true. Uh, maybe maybe this will be a time when people have new ideas for business, and we're certainly going to need those in the days ahead. Uh, maybe people are going to have new ideas for community projects and things we could do together to make our neighborhoods better and more livable and uh, all kinds of things. New ideas for families, uh, things we can do together. New ideas for friendship, for church. Um, new ideas maybe for personal growth. Uh, maybe you're developing some new habits and hobbies and uh, all kinds of things. Um, it's a good time to dream of what is possible. Um, there are all kinds of things that are possible, but in the normal routines of life, we can miss them. They're kind of right under our nose, but we get stuck in a rut of doing, doing the things we normally do, and we miss them. And sometimes it takes an interruption like this to kind of make us say, what if we did this? Or maybe we could try this, or why don't we try uh, doing this together? And we, we look for new possibilities and go and do them. Um, and I hope that's going to happen for you and I and in our town and in our neighborhood. Um, I want to encourage you, look for the things that are possible and go and do them. But maybe I also want to say this, that if you and I are believers in the resurrection, we also need to be people who dream of what is impossible. In other words, we need to look for those places in our lives and our world where all hope is gone and where things are broken beyond repair and where all of our resources and gifts, even gathered together, are inadequate. And we need to be people who stand in those places and pray and wait and watch and take hopeful action and trust the God who raises the dead. There's an amazing description of God in Romans 4 where Paul says uh, this about God, that God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Isn't that amazing? God gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Another translation puts it this way that God gives life to the dead and creates new things out of nothing. I want to encourage you in these days to not only dream of what is possible and go and do those things, but also dream of what is impossible. Um, maybe I, I want to maybe give one example. And this is the example that came to mind this week, and you can apply it uh, to other things. Um, some people from our church here um, have had a dream and an idea 
uh, that they've started putting into action in the last year or so uh, called Digging Deeper. Uh, and it's an initiative where they're going into the, the part of our town, the neighborhood called the Heights, uh, with a trailer. And they're simply offering to tidy up people's gardens. Um, I want to encourage you to take that example and think with me about what is possible and what maybe we might think of as impossible. So I want you to answer these questions. As you think about a bunch of people from our church going into the Heights with their trailer uh, whenever the lockdown ends and we can go and do that again, can you imagine some people ending up with some gardens that look a bit better and brighter and tidier? I think Yes, we can imagine that. That's possible. So we should go and do it. I wonder, can you imagine uh, us being able to bring some comfort and encouragement maybe to some people who are a bit isolated or lonely or struggling in different ways, being able to befriend people and just bring a bit of encouragement and companionship? Again, I think most of us would say that's definitely possible and we should go and do it. I wonder, can you imagine through that initiative, a couple of people in that neighborhood having a, an encounter with Jesus and coming to faith. Uh, maybe now we're into the territory of saying where we've got to be honest and say, we can't change anybody's heart. But, but I think probably most of us could just about imagine that. We could imagine a couple of people might come to faith. That would be amazing to see. We'd love to see that happen. Um, let me ask this. Can you imagine through that initiative uh, a spiritual revival breaking out in that neighborhood as it's happened many times in history, but happening in this place in this time and spreading from house to house and street to street. Can you imagine a, a thriving house church being established in the heart of that neighborhood that brings light to the whole neighborhood? Can you imagine a visible transformation of that whole neighborhood that touches on areas of real brokenness like drug addiction and sectarianism and other things that might be going on there that actually makes people puzzled and even a little bit shaken and makes people ask, what happened here that's caused this kind of transformation? And I, I'm one to be honest along with you and say, probably our imagination at some point there goes, I can't imagine that. That sounds impossible to me, that we with a rake and a a pair of clippers and a trailer could bring about that kind of transformation. But that's where you and I have to have this faith in a God who gives life to the dead and creates new things out of nothing, brings into existence things that didn't exist before. Um, I want to encourage you to apply the same kind of thinking maybe to your own life and your own neighborhood and your work and, your, and things that are on your heart uh, that you care about. Let's dream about what's possible Let's also dream about what's impossible. Um, there's an old story uh, about a monk uh, living in the desert. Um, and he received counsel from an older monk who gave him a dry stick and told him to stick it in the ground and to water it every day. And the story goes that he faithfully watered it twice a day, even though the nearest source of water was 12 miles away. Um, Part of what I love here is there are two versions of this story. And in one version, after three years of watering, the piece of wood sprouted and grew into a fruitful tree um, that was able to feed uh, the people who came. In the other version, he watered it faithfully 
and nothing ever happened. And I, I like the honesty of the fact that both those stories have come down to us. I think we need both stories because God asks us to go to the dead places and the hopeless places and to be faithful and to water and to pray and to watch. And sometimes we will see miracles and breakthroughs. And sometimes it will feel like nothing happens and we'll feel disappointed and a little bit foolish. Um, um, just before I finish, um, I, I guess I wanted to speak from the heart for a moment and say, I, I think part of why I wanted to remind our hearts of these things again this week um, is because some of us in recent days and weeks and months prayed for the impossible for our friend Joan. And some of you really put your hearts on the line um, and you defied the illness that was in her body and you prayed for something impossible to happen, for that illness to be driven back and for her to be given more time. And we didn't see the miracle that we longed for. And maybe this morning you're feeling a bit disappointed and bruised and confused and maybe feeling even a little foolish. Um, I, I'm really aware, like you, in times like this, we're, we're tempted to then in the next chapter going forward, we're tempted to stay in the realm of the possible and just ask God for a little bit of help to do things that are perfectly possible. Um, and that's certainly the safer way to live because we don't risk being disappointed. We don't risk feeling foolish. We don't risk getting our hearts bruised again. But as I was preparing this week, I, I sensed the prompting of uh, the Spirit for me, for you, um, can I gently encourage you again this week, as people of the risen King, don't retreat to the realm of the possible. Um, look for the possible and go and do it. But can I also encourage you to put your heart on the line again and ask for the impossible and go and find those dread and dry and dead places and water them. And when you do that, you're going to sometimes experience disappointment and delay and by the way, that was part of the experience of those early Christians as well. That's part of the story. If we go to those places and we pray and we watch and we work uh, and we trust in the God of resurrection, we will also see dry sticks breaking into bud and we will see miracles of resurrection and we will see new things coming into existence that didn't exist before. And things will happen that might even shake people a little bit and even scare people a little bit and make them ask what happened here and make them a little intrigued and draw them closer. Um, things that might make us scared, but then make us joyful and make us, fear, uh, make us fearless. Let me pray for us as we finish and then we're gonna sing one more song uh, to end. Father, I want to pray for each of us this morning. And I want to pray for the parts of us that are doubtful and skeptical. Um, I want to thank you that as you dealt with Thomas in the gospel stories, and you dealt so gently with his doubts and met him in that place, that you also come and meet us in that place and deal with us gently. Um, Father, I want to pray that maybe this morning we might feel a possibility stirring within us 
that maybe this wildly improbable, impossible story might after all be true. And maybe that might make us feel a little afraid because it means we have to rethink everything about everything that we thought was how things worked. Father, help us not to be afraid. Help us to pay attention to this remarkable story. And I pray that for some of us this week, there might be born in us a new faith and a new hope in the God who raises the dead. And Father, I want to pray for all of us. Would you help us, uh, those of us who say we believe in the resurrection, would you help us to be people in our community, in our neighborhood, in our lives, who not only look for what is possible and dream of that and take action towards that, but also dream of the impossible and trust the God who raises the dead. Father, I want to pray we might sense in our hearts, in our spirit this morning, um, we might hear that voice saying, he is risen, he has gone ahead of you, and you will see him. And I want to pray that we might look for him in our lives this week and in the days ahead. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.